all of these songs, the worship that we've been in, we declare your glory, we declare your splendor, your faithfulness over and over and over again, God. Thank you. I pray that, God, you would move mightily in word of life and through word of life. As we go into this vision talk, Lord, I pray that you would speak to every one of us as individuals because we're all part of this. We all have something to do with this, and I pray that you will bless. Lead God and direct everything to be done. In Jesus' name, I pray, and everybody said amen. I want to thank you, all of you, for those of you who are members of Word of Life and non-members alike, those of you who are attending. I really can't tell you how much I appreciate it, the serving that you do, the giving that you do. And listen, I want to let you know, it doesn't just go to Word of Life. The serving that you do ultimately is before God. And you and I someday are going to stand before God, and you and I are going to either hear, well done, my good and faithful servant, or eh, 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 I don't know, you know, whatever that would be. And I'm serious with that. I'm serious that, that we are doing, what we are doing ultimately goes to the kingdom of God. And so it is a great privilege and it is really exciting. Vision is huge in the Bible. Vision is really huge. Uh, huge. And I want to talk about vision. So go with me to Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. If you don't have a tablet or a smartphone, whatever, to follow along, this, this, everything is going to be projected behind me on the screens so that you can follow along that way. If you've been a believer for any length of time, you probably were in the, uh, the original King James Version. And it talks about within this verse, it says in Proverbs 29, 18, basically it says these words that where there is no vision, people perish. Where there is no vision, people perish. That's a pretty stunning comment that would come from the Word of God. So we're going to water it down just a little bit with what it says here. And I'm joking when I say water it down. We want the truth of God's Word no matter what it would be. Proverbs 29, 18, in the message, it says these words. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. In other words, if you right now are not seeing or understanding God's vision for your life, what God wants you to do, where God wants to send you, how God wants to use you, what God's plan is for your life, and should you be married with family, what God wants for all of that, you're going to begin to, to stumble all around. You're going to be someone who's not going to be sure where to go. And then it says at the end of the verse, it says, but when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. They are the blessed people. And I, that's my goal for you. That's my goal for me, of course, and my family. But my goal for you as your pastor is that you would be most blessed. And I'm believing that this vision talk today is going to give some greater clarity with who we are and where we are going. So let's dig in. Back in December 3rd, which is just a few weeks ago now, 2017, I made it very clear with that vision talk that I did. If you were here, you may remember. I made it very clear that God has a vision for your life. Every one of us, every single one of us, even if you're here today and are not yet a believer, God has a plan for you, my friend. God has a plan for every, a vision for your life, and it all begins with a knowing relationship with God, that you, number one, would know God. It begins that way, that you would know God, and not just know God here, but that you would know God here, that it would be something deeper and greater than, than just knowing him with our mind, that you would come into a deep, intimate relationship with the very powerful, personal God who loves you so very much. God wants you to know him. That is a stumbling verse for me. That is an incredible verse to me. That is just something that I can hardly comprehend. The God of heaven, God who is omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, the one who is the creator of all things. He wants you. And he wants me to know him. 
That is his will. That is his plan. That is his vision that he has for every one of us. And what God wants to do next in your life is to help you and I in those areas of our life that hurt so badly. The second thing is, is that he wants you to find freedom. God wants you to know him. God wants you to know God. And number two, God wants you to find freedom. Freedom from addictions. Freedom from, from feeling trapped, feeling hopeless. Feeling from carrying around that 55-gallon barrel full of shame and regret because of your past. Because of things that have gone on. And wondering, is this how my life is going to be for the rest of my life? Is this what it's going to look like? Listen, man, I don't know who you are today. And I mean this with all love and respect towards you. But you may be someone who is here today and is a strong believer and you really do love God and you've known God for many years. Or you may be someone who really don't even know if there is a God. I want to let you know that regardless of where you are on that spectrum, that God accepts you just the way you are. You don't have to change yourself in order to come to God. He accepts you and I just the way you are. And he not only accepts us, but he loves us. And he also wants to help you settle those issues. Whatever those things are in your life, your past, whatever it may be, he wants to settle those issues with you. And once you find freedom, the next step is, is to discover purpose. To discover your purpose it's amazing how, how lights can come on when you realize that you're not here on this planet by accident, but you are here on purpose and for a purpose. God wants you to know that you, you have a purpose and you need to discover that, that God has a purpose for your life that takes us to our fourth thing that God wants, and that is, is that for you and I to make a difference, to make a difference uh, to make a difference in the lives of other people, to make that difference. Listen, when I don't see God's vision for my life, when I'm not sure what it is he wants to do with me or where he's leading me or what's going on in my life, I'm in danger of settling for an earthly counterfeit that will ultimately come from hell, that will come from the enemy, that will come from darkness. Um, whatever it is that God would want to do within our lives, we need to understand whatever God wants to do within us, the devil will always come and offer you and I a counterfeit. But you need to realize he offers us everything, but he gives us nothing. He is a liar. He is a deceiver. And the things that he would want to tell you that is contrary to God and contrary to his word, he's doing it for his own demise. And it will cost you everything should you follow after that. So that's what the devil offers us. But what God offers us, it's not in your notes, but in Jeremiah 29, 11, a lot of people know that verse. And it says these words, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and to not harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. That's what the Bible says. The God that you and I serve, he is a good God. No, he is a good, good God. Come on, give me an amen to that. God's vision for your life is to know, for you to know God, for you to find freedom, for you to discover purpose, and for you and I to make a difference in other people's lives. If you should forget that, if you should forget that vision, if, you should, if it should not be fresh in front of you no longer, or um, uh, you're, you're no longer even thinking about what God would want, not only will you lose God's vision for, you, for your life, for your purpose, for what God has for you, but I believe and I'm afraid that you would also begin to lose the vision that we have here at Word of Life. Our vision at Word of Life is that we would lead individuals to become faithful and effective followers in Jesus Christ. That's the reason why we, we are here. So if you lose your vision for God's purpose for you, if you lose your vision for Word of Life purpose for, for you and for us, 
then you're going to end up making Word of Life to be, a, to be a church that's going to be all about you. Because you are thinking that nothing is happening for me and you're going to begin to go down crazy roads. And it's not all about you, no more than it's all about me. I'll tell you who it's all about in just a few moments. You need to understand that God, God cares for his kids. He cares for those who are lost. He cares desperately for them. In Luke chapter 14, verse 23, Jesus is telling us, he's introducing us to who God is, helping us to see him a little bit clearer. And in this one little area, big area, but in this one little area, Jesus says these words. He says, then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them, compel them to come in so that my house will be full, that my house will be filled. The mandate from God himself is that we would have, or he would have us having a full house, that we would have a full house. And let me make it clear. It's not just this house. It's not just this church. It's not just this building or this group of people, as exciting as that would be, and the church all around the world, how God would want that house to be filled, more importantly to God, and I hope more importantly to you, he wants his house in heaven to be filled. I don't know what you think, but here's what I think. I think when I think about my sons and my daughter and their families, my kids, my, grand, my grandkids, my wife and I, I don't want them to just come to church. I'm not satisfied that they would just simply come to church. I want to be sure that they're going to be with me forever, forever in a place called heaven. I have one son there right now, but I want my entire family to be in heaven. Give me an amen if that's what you desire as well. And that's ultimately what God is talking about. Yeah, this house is important, but it's not all important. The most important is what will take place for all of eternity as we get on out of here. So listen to me, listen to me. All of this, all of this that we're talking about, we're, we're, we're talking about a house being full and all. This, is, this message, this vision that we have is not just about a bunch of people coming to this church. That is not our goal. We're, we're not just trying to see how big we can make Word of Life to be. That is not it at all. No, it's deeper than that. It's much, much deeper than that. I want you to look at me eye to eye, face to face, and I want you to listen to what I'm going to say because this is so unbelievably important to me, and I trust it will be important to you. There is a real place called heaven. And there is a real place called hell. There really is. And quite frankly, at times I worry about you. I don't know if you really believe that. I don't know if you really believe that there are consequences and there are issues. I don't know if you really believe that every generation, past, present, and future, are either going to heaven or those people are going to hell. One of those two places is what the Bible tells us. It is a reality. It is a reality that that, is, that that would take place. It's a hard reality that we face right now, as I say it to you, that we will face tomorrow and the next day, God willing, if it should even come. But I'm telling you straight up, this is a very big deal. Dealing with people, dealing with their salvation, dealing with reaching the lost, this is a really really big deal and we need to reach them no matter the cost at all costs for us so we take our sunday service and we fashion it so that we can reach new people the irreligious the unchurched the unbeliever whoever they may be and we are going to continually to to make room more and more for people 
to be able to come into this place, that they may be introduced to Christ, for people to come here. Because we really believe this matters. And we really believe that it matters to God. We really do believe that. And let me prove that to you, why I really believe it matters to God. You see, when God looks down on this planet, when he looks down on earth, he doesn't see Christian and non-Christian. He doesn't see two groups, two different groups of people the way that we would see them. No, according to the word of God, he sees the entire world. He sees the entire world and all the people of that world. And he recklessly, he recklessly loves them. And you will know what I mean by John chapter 3, verse 16. It's not in your notes, but God so loved the world. He loved the people, Christian, non-Christian, those who are following him and those who hated him. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe will perish. God is so reckless in his love, he was willing to give his only son for their sin. That's how much God loves people. That's how much it matters to God. So when he looks down, he doesn't see the Christian or non-Christian. No, he sees all people and he recklessly loves them. From God's vantage point, God would say something like this. I have some found kids and I have some lost kids. But regardless, they are still my kids. The lost ones are his. The, the found ones are his. And lost people really matter to God. And, and those lost kids distract him. He is distracted by the fact that there may be, but there may not be even one person in here who doesn't know God who, or who doesn't believe. It really bothers him that there are people who, are, who don't know. It distracts him. And I can prove it to you in Luke chapter 15. Don't open to that, but let me just make a reference. Jesus tells this story, again, helping us to understand the God of heaven. Jesus tells this story of the lost things. There was three lost things. There was a lost coin, a lost sheep, and a lost son. And the moral of the story, you will find as you go through this, the moral of the story is that God would say, I will leave the found things to go find the lost thing. I will leave the found things to go find the lost things. That doesn't mean that we need to leave the church, but this is what it does mean. You need to leave up out of here and not be thinking about yourself. You need to leave up out of here and begin to think about those who you live with and love and work with and know. Are they, do they know Christ? Are you consumed? Can you be bothered as God is bothered by the fact that there are those who are still lost? That God would want us because God would say, I am distracted by what is lost. Lost people matter to God. And if you agree with me, would you please give the Lord a round of applause for his great love and patience with us? You're so good. I want to share some exciting things that, I, things that I think have come to us from heaven. I think that God has blessed us with what it is I want to share with you today that I believe is going to make a big difference to make us more effective in 2018 and the next years ahead of us. On my sabbatical, I took a sabbatical and I began Easter Sunday of 2016. I left for two months. And on my sabbatical, the first one I've ever taken in my life, we went to Myrtle Beach in the beginning. And... Uh, and Marianne and I, I can tell you exactly where we were. We were in a condo. Uh, we're up about nine floors. We're right there at the ocean. And uh, as I walked, and mind you, I'm, I am uh, burned out. When I go on this, on this uh, sabbatical, I, I, I can hardly talk. I mean, I am burned out as I'm in this. And as I get up and I walk toward this one spot in the kitchen, as I walked over there, God spoke to me. Yeah, I heard God. I can tell you of a few times that God has spoken to me, and this is one of them. God spoke to me, and he said these words. He says, do the grow process with word of life. Do the grow process 
with Word of Life. Now, some of you, I'm sure, don't have a clue what I'm talking about, but let me explain it to you this way. Grow, grow, this grow process. Grow comes from Church of the Highlands, which is out of uh, Birmingham, Alabama. And uh, just so you know, for your information, the Church of the Highlands, which is what it's called, Church of the Highlands in, in um, um, uh, where did I, Birmingham, Alabama, uh, church of the Highlands is rated as the healthiest church in the United States for the last 10 years. There is a rigid uh, way of determining those kind of decisions. And this particular church, Church of the Highlands, is rated as the healthiest church in the United States for the last 10 years. And God spoke to the pastor of the church, Pastor Chris Hodges. You've heard me say that name many times because I pull a lot of his material, use it for myself, and be able to use some of our messages. But anyhow, uh, God spoke to him years ago and said, uh, God told him, I want you to grow churches in America to grow past 1,000 people is what I want you to do. So that was the mission. And that began uh, uh, maybe eight, ten years ago. Well, six years ago, Claude and I were out there in, in uh, Birmingham at one of these GROW conferences. And uh, that's when we signed up. I, I signed up on the dotted line. We pay a, an exorbitant amount of money to be a part of them. And it's $200 a year. But anyhow, um, some of you are stunned as to how that's crazy money, I know. But listen, we're moving forward. So when, when um, th this... When God said to me that he wants me to do grow, the grow process with Word of Life, um, it, it, th this is an amazing church. These are amazing people. These are just incredible, incredible people. We've been involved with them superficially for the last five, six years, but these people are just incredible. They, they have a boatload of resources and, and uh, online training and conferences that they make available to us at any time. Just unbelievable things that they make available. So I knew exactly what God meant when he said to me, I want you to do the go, grow process with, with uh, Word of Life. And it was a perfect word for me because remember I'm burned out and I don't know where I'm going I don't know what I'm doing I don't know where the next day what, what I'm going to do the next day of my life and when God spoke those words to me not only was I thrilled to hear that but I had an overwhelming peace that just came over me it came over me and there's a few reasons why it came over me and how important that is to the story because I knew when I was coming back in June that Claude, Pastor Claude, who's been with me for 17 years, that he was resigning. He was going to attend his resignation. And he ended up now, he's in Rochester planning a church, and he's doing a great job. Everything's going great there. But I knew that that was coming. So I knew as I came off the sabbatical that I was going to be dealing with, with that transition. But what I wasn't ready for and what knocked me and Marianne to the floor was the death of our son. It would be on September 4th that Jeremy, our oldest son, died of a massive heart attack. And we were not planning that at all. We had no clue of that. So not only Claude, his transition, which is a big deal, but we knew about it. I knew about it for a year that it was going to happen. But Jeremy's death was another completely different subject. So we, Marianne and I decided we're going to stay steady. We're going to stay the course. We're going to take it day by day right now. Maybe we can get to week by week and then maybe month by month. I don't know. But we decided that we were going to stay the course. And after the one-year anniversary of our son's death, after that one-year anniversary, I felt that I was ready to take the lead with the GROW process that God spoke to me about more than a year previous. So that's where we're coming from. This is the reason why we're here. So after the one-year anniversary, I met with the, with the elders in August, and I shared with them what God said to me in, in uh, Myrtle Beach on that particular day. 
And I began to share with them some of the great things that are available to us. And we were 100% in agreement that, that uh, United Behind Church of the Highlands coming in and helping Word of Life Church to get past 1,000 people. Right now, we average around 720 or so. We were bumping up in 800s and stuff years, a couple of years back, but we're somewhere around 720 plus to 750 on a regular, uh, regular basis that attend Word of Life. <clears throat> so we brought in a consultant from Church of the Highlands. Uh, we brought him in on October 1st, 2017. It was the first Sunday of October, of course. And uh, the guy's name is John Jones. He is a personal friend of mine. I knew him from before we did all of this. But John Jones is a great guy. And only about a dozen people knew that we were doing all of this because we wanted church to be as normal as possible. And so... Um, so when he, um, when he ended up coming to us, um, he said to us, it was immediately very clear what the problem was. And the problem was is that Word of Life does not have a drawing problem. We have a retention problem. Word of Life does not have a drawing. We are, we are able to, to bring people in that will come and check us out. But the problem we have is that they're not staying with us. They may come for a little while, and we're not talking everybody, but there is a high percentage. We don't know what it is, but there's a high percentage of people who don't stay. So with the Sunday services that we have, our school, our midweek services, our life groups, all that we do, we have a pretty good handle of attracting people to come and at least, at least check out Word of Life Assembly. But again, many of them don't stay. So John was able to identify that immediately. The number one retention issue. The number one reten re re uh, retention issue that we have is that there is no fast track to serving new believers. There is no fast track to serving those new believers. In other words, it's something like this. When people get saved, uh, this is around the world. This is around the world. This is what happens. When people get saved, a huge majority of them want to serve the God who has just saved them, who has just forgiven them of their sin, who has just delivered them from all the fears and all the issues of their life that they've had. And in other words, what they want to do is that they, they've gotten saved, they're grateful, they're excited, and they're ready to rock and roll for God. They're ready to do whatever God wants them to do. I've just given my life to Jesus. I want to make an impact on somebody else's life is basically what people often, often do. They're ready to rock and roll with God. So they're, they're ready to serve Him, to thank Him, to honor Him, to love Him, and to tell others about this amazing grace of our God. They're ready to do that. So what I want to do is I want to tell you what we are doing to proactively solve the retention problem that we have. We have solutions. We're going to give you some really good solutions. And again, I'm really excited about this. But I'm going to have to give you a little bit of negative stuff too. So hang with me just for a moment. So we fail retaining them because of a few things, a few things that we're not doing right and things that we need to change, and we're going to do it. Uh, number one is our membership class. You heard Leslie just announced that it's going to be, our membership class is going to be April, whatever that date is, 15th, I think it was. And uh, doesn't that bother you a little bit? Here we are four months into the year, and we've not had a membership meeting. Well, that's part of the problem. Part of the problem, we only have a membership class about two times a year, maybe, maybe a couple of times. We've done it three times in a given year. But that's a problem. And it's a problem because for many ministries at Word of Life, you can't serve in that ministry unless you're a member. You need to be a member in order to serve in some of those ministries. And, of course, that's frustrating to the new believer. The next thing is, is that there are way too many hoops for people to go into membership in order to serve God. We have a lot of expectations, too many hoops, way too many hoops for that to happen. And the third and final thing is there's no clear vision. 
There's no clear, easy to understand next steps. Now, mind you, John Jones, he's, Marianne is the one who's taking him all around, showing him any room, all of the stuff. He's reading over all of our paperwork. He's, he's got a good handle as to who we are and what we're doing. And, uh, and he says, as far as I'm concerned, there's no clear vision with this. He's not being mean. I'm being mean right now. But he, he's, he's just saying there's no clear vision. People need to have clear vision with where we're going. So if that be the case, if we are that bad, and we are, and we were, uh, if, we're, if that be the case, then that new believer is going to get frustrated. And rather quickly, either one of two things are going to happen to them. Either they're going to stop coming to Word of Life and find another church that will take care of them properly. And or number two, they're going to walk away from their faith completely. Walk away from God. And church, that's on us. That's on us. If we're not doing this right, that's on word of life. We need to be careful of that. So John Jones makes a few recommendations. Some of these recommendations are going to shock you. It's going to shock you a little bit. So let me tell you, number one, he makes a recommendation that we go to just one service on Sundays. Go to one service on Sundays. And he says that because there's too many empty seats. He walked in. Once we were done with the second service, we went into my office area. We had dinosaur barbecue uh, food ready for him and for all of us. I thought I'd butter him up the best I can to get a good report. And, uh, and he said one of the first questions out of his mouth was, what's wrong with this church? I go, I don't know what's wrong with this church. And he says, he says there's too many empty seats. It's screaming at me that this church was large at one point. There's been something major that's happened, and there's, there's too many empty seats. There's just too many empty seats within this. Something bad must have happened that they've lost that many people. Let me address that first. I, I want to just give you a little bit of history. Back in the late 90s and the early 2000s, the experts would tell church leaders, they would tell us that if attendance reaches 60% of the capacity of seating in that particular room, if it reaches 60%, you need to go to two services. You need to do that because people are not going to come because they're going to feel uncomfortable because there's so many people that are in the room. Well, that's all poo-pooed now. They don't say that anymore. It's not the... It's not the reality what people are feeling. And so we, we back in, on Easter of uh, 2013, uh, 13 is when we began two services because we were going along with this, this chart of what they said that we were supposed to do. So let me be very clear with all of that. Let me be very clear. We are not in trouble at Word of Life. We're going to one service because we're in trouble. No, we're not in trouble. We're not in trouble at all. We have not uh, had some huge exodus uh, of people in the last couple of years. In fact, not at all. Today, right now, for our membership meeting, I know exactly how many members we have, and we have 500 members. We have 500 members, and those are people, men and women, adults, who have said that uh, they want to serve here at Word of Life. I don't know how many that we have that are not members, but we have a number of them. And the last membership meeting that we did in October of 2017, it was the largest group of people who wanted to become a member all at the same time. There were 36 people in the room for that membership class. And so um, we're not in trouble. There's not a problem with this. Listen, I've dug into all of this of recent, and the trend in the USA today is that weekends are becoming increasingly busy for people and their families. A lot of people are wanting to spend time with their family. And what they end up doing, because most Saturdays are taken, is that they take a Sunday and make that to be their time. And listen, I understand that. Let me go back. My, when my kids, my boys and, and my daughter were growing up back in, the, uh, back in the 80s and the 90s, this wasn't true back then. But right now, a lot of sports, a lot of sports take place on Sundays now. And of course, as a father, a grandfather, a pastor, a leader, I'm not necessarily turned on to that. 
you know, but the fact of the matter is, it's a reality. It's how it really is. And what I need to realize, and maybe what you need to realize, that, that I can't and you can't do anything about this either. It's a culture. It's a swing within culture right now. So the only thing left for me to do is to accept, uh, to, to try and lead the generation that God has put before us. And for your information, just so you know about Church of the Highlands, Church of the Highlands is a very teeny tiny little church of 45,000 people. 45,000 people that meet in 18 different locations around the state of Alabama. And the, they have a higher number of people who come out for life groups, who come out for small groups in the week, than they have coming out for an attendance on Sunday mornings. So in other words, here's a mega church, super mega church, and they have a lower attendance on Sunday morning services and their main services, and, but they have a higher attendance of people being involved with their, their life groups. John Jones says, so many empty seats say to the visitor, what's wrong with this church? So to proactively move forward to reach people better. The elders, the pastoral staff, we discussed this a lot. We talked about this a long time. And we believe that Highlands is spot on. They are right on. And we are taking a bold step, a bold move to go back to one service. So we are now announcing to you that we're on April 8th. Next, next week is Palm Sunday. The next week is, is uh, Easter. Those will both be double services. Uh, we will probably always do double services on Easter because of the volume of people that do come out. But on April 8th, 2018, we are going to go to one service, and it will be 10 o'clock in the morning. And we will continue to do that, and I don't know how long, but God will make that choice. Come on, do you appreciate that? Are you okay with that? So that's what we're, we're, we're going to be doing. Um, the third thing that John told the elders on October 1st is, is this, is that we need to completely revamp our membership process. We need to completely revamp our membership process. Um, and we're excited about this, man. We are just, we have spent a lot of time about this. We're excited. We can see it. We can experience it. Let me explain it to you very quickly. The on-ramp for membership at Word of Life, it needs to be with clear vision. People have to understand what this is all about, becoming a member, and what it looks like. It needs to be with clear vision. It needs to be easily understood by those who are moving forward. And it needs to be offered. Listen to this. It will be offered every month of the year except for the month of December because December is a little bit crazy. But it's going to be offered every month of the year that we can capture those who give their life to Christ and they can be a part of, of this um, we are following Highland's lead with this particular decision that we're making. Our goal is for the new membership approach that we're going to begin. Our goal is, is that that would begin in September of 2018. In just a matter of a few months, we're going to get into this whole new way of membership. And we're calling it the life path. The life path. Life path, let me define that for you. Guide you to discover your redemptive purpose and live the life God created for you. That's what it is. The life path is made up of four steps. Four steps that will equip you to move towards your membership and get involved and make a difference in other people's lives. The four steps of that life path are these four steps. Number one, to connect to the church. Number two, to discover the, the strengths of your purposeful design. And number three is to develop your personal leadership and influence. And number four is to use your God-given gifts to make a difference in the lives of other people. Let me say it this way to you. 
The life path is going to guide you to become a member. The life path is going to guide you to discover your design. The life path is going to guide you to develop your leadership. And the life path is going to uh, guide you to join the team, to join the team. And again, we are excited about this. This may be some mumble jumble for a bunch of us. But as you see it begin to be fleshed out, as you see how it works, this is tremendous. This is huge. The life path happens every month of the year except for December. And it goes in four consecutive Sundays. In other words, we're going to have a church service, and after church service, we're having life path. We're doing life path together. Uh, uh, life path happens every month of the year, uh, every week of the month. Uh, you start with step number one, which is the first Sunday of the, of the year, step number two, the second Sunday, step number three, and so on. I think you get the picture. And you can jump on the path at any point. If this is week three right now, I could announce and say this week's we're, we're doing week number three of our life path, and you can join us today. People can literally get on that path no matter what. And they can be a first-time visitor if they want and get on the path. No matter who they are, we are welcoming people to get in on what it is that, that we're, we're doing here. So um, the only requirement is, is that they're going to have to go through all four of the steps in order to be able to get actively involved with Word of Life. They're going to have to go through all four. And so, but it's going to be easy. It's going to be fun. It's going to be different people that are presenting, different people who are talking about all of this. And, uh, and we are really, really excited. Can you see a vision in all of that? Give me a yes or a no. Can you see a vision? Number four, the fourth thing is, is uh, has to deal with our life groups. Get them in life groups. Get that new believer. Get them in life groups. Get them in groups. Another solution to our, our uh, retention program, uh, problem that we have is the fact that they, people need to get into groups. Now, I know we have groups. I know that you know that, but let me explain this a little bit deeper if I can. Life groups have one simple purpose, and that is to bring people together. The reason for life groups is to bring people together. We believe that God created us to live in relationships with others. And only then can we then fulfill what it is that God intends for us. When we're in relationships with others, not just your spouse, not just your family, but in relationships with others, other believers who have convictions that you would have, all of that stuff. That's when you and I can, can get to the place where God intends for us. You see, we believe life change happens best in small groups. In the context of relationships, we recognize that God does his best work in relationships. And if that be true, it's going to hurt my feelings a little bit to say this to you, that if, if, if uh, God does his best work in relationships, if that be true, then the best ministry takes place between Sundays, not on Sundays. <laughs> It's not what I'm doing. It's not what the worship team is doing. The best work that God does is when people are together throughout the week, when they're trying to deal with the life issues. You see, we are looking to become a church of small groups, not a church with small groups. And there's a big difference. We want to become a church of small groups. In other words, we believe that every ministry here at Word of Life, every ministry of the local church needs to, be, uh, needs to take place in small groups because... The, uh, uh, so that that would be in the context of relationships. When ministry is happening in small groups, and you put that in the context of relationships, it becomes even much more life-giving. Life groups is not just an additional thing we do. It's who we are. We want to model ourselves after the early church, which in Acts chapter 5, the Bible tells us they did ministry in the temple courts, which is church, and also that they went from house to house. So we have a great service on a Sunday. God meets us in a marvelous way. We have great worship. The preaching is unbelievable. 
And, I'm just kidding. And, um, and, and uh, God meets us. And this is the large group gathering that we have. We do this every week. We want you to be with us. We want you to come out to the large group gathering. But then after the large group gathering, then we work through all of life's, all, of, all that life gives each and every one of us in our life group. We begin to talk about what's going on with people that we know, people we're building relationship, people that you have something in common with. You begin to talk about what, those, what this world offers us, what's going on in our world. Are you catching the vision for life groups? It's new, it's different, we're moving forward. Another immediate change. You, do you catch the vision of that, yes or no? Give me a, okay. Uh, another immediate change that we're taking place, that is taking place, is what I'm calling signs, titles, and names. Signs, titles, and names. John Jones made it very clear to us that um, signs tell a, vis- tell a visitor that we were expecting you. We were expecting you. So we want them, as they pull on the property, that they will see that there are men and women who are out there not only helping them to find a parking place, but they're welcoming them. They're bringing them into church. You're asking any questions. Is there anything that you need? We're, we're going we're gonna to amp this puppy up like you wouldn't believe. So we're going we're gonna to have them... Um, be greeting people. Uh, when they walk into the building and they begin to see signs and they understand what's what, where, who, what, what does that mean? Right now, uh, to me, this, the names that we have just doesn't make any sense to me. It, it, it probably wouldn't make se- sense to the unchurched as well. So we're going to change the name. That room that's on the other side of those doors where the cafe is, where the info center is, where the bathrooms are at, that's, that's now called the atrium. I don't even know what atrium means. It could be a nasty word for all I know. But we do know this much. The word atrium comes from an ar- the architecture who designed this building. And he called that room the atrium. So we said, okay, it's called the atrium. We're changing the name. We want it to be user-friendly. We want it to be that even the unsaved, even people who are far from God who don't even know a single look of the Bible will understand. That's now called the lobby. That's the lobby out there, just in case you were wondering. This is no longer the sanctuary. Now, this was never truly a sanctuary according to the scriptural terms. But this is no longer the, the sanctuary. We're not calling that anymore. This is now called worship center. This is the worship center. This is where we worship God. Those kind of words begin to make the, the guest, the visitor who's coming here, a little bit nervous, a little bit uptight of walking into these doors. I understand that. So that's another name that's going to change. Uh, info center, gone. It's not called info center anymore. It's now called guest services. That will make that person who is a guest realize that that little table, that group right there, is for me. I'm a guest, and they're going to help me with whatever it is that I need. And those, those uh, guest service peoples all, people all say amen. This has been going on since 2004, but there's been what's called the North Campus and the South Campus. This is the North Campus, this 23,000-square-foot addition that we put on and that we moved in on in 2004 of March 1st, 2004. This is considered the North Campus. This is the North, that's the West, this is the East, and that's the South. And so the South Campus, of course, is dealing with the school, the old Elizabeth Street School that we added on to. That is dealing with with that. So we have the North Campus, which is where all this, typically adults that are meeting over here, and then we have the South Campus, and that's the school side. That's where life kids meet. That's where Pastor Lisa and the kids meet. There's the gym over there. There's a fellowship hall, a cafeteria over there. The next building across the street is our youth building. We've called it the well forever, it seems like, since we've owned it. We have then, but we've changed that. It's no longer called the well. In fact, they're going to have a sign exactly like the one that's on the north end of our property right now, another identical sign on the building, on the youth building, and it's going to be, uh, it's going to say Word of Life Assembly of God, um, um, Elizabeth Street. 
because that's what it is. And we're saying Elizabeth Street. We could say Youth Center. We could call it that. But we don't know because we know that God is doing something now. We don't know if that will always be a youth center. It may be something different. God, so we don't want to put a name on it yet. We're just calling it Elizabeth Street. Do you get it? Are you getting it so far? All of this is because of that person. All of because that whoever they may be, that guest who would come into our church who doesn't believe yet, who is unsure that there really is a God, that we want them to know God. We're going to do our best to make sure that we would introduce them to know God. Secondly, we want them to find freedom. Whatever baggage they're coming in with, whatever issues of life that they've had, if you come here and you know God, he's going to change that. He's going to help you to find freedom in all of that. The third thing is, is to discover a purpose. You're not on this planet by accident. God has a plan for your life. It's over and over and over again in the word of God. And we want them to know that. And fourth and lastly is that we want them to make a difference. We want them to have a difference and influence into the lives of others. We want people to know God primarily, not exclusively, but primarily through our Sunday service, through what we do right here. So this is around the world. This thought comes from around the world. Most people, most church people see church for them. Church is all about them. Most church people go to church thinking, this is my church. I want to go to my church. I want to experience my church. But we see that a little bit differently here at Word of Life. John Jones tells us that there needs to be a cultural change all across the United States of America regarding all of this. And obviously, I believe it needs to have some... There needs to be some culture change here at Word of Life as well. We have to have a new way of thinking about the church. We have to have a new thought behind all of that. Listen, I want to say it like this. We do not exist for the people who are already here. But we exist for the people who are not here yet. There are people... There are people, they may not understand this, but there are people right now that God is directing our way. There are people that God is wanting to save and to change their lives, to give them hope and to make everything become new for them. And he is planning on taking them here. And that's who we're dealing with. We will do our best to always minister effectively to you in any way that we can. But you need to hear it from your pastor who loves you desperately. This is not just all about you. This is not all about me for sure. This is all about them who are far from God, and this needs to be priority number one here at Word of Life. We believe that the, uh, the, ultimate, the ultimate mission of the church, and again, lock eyes with me when I say this, the, the, the mission of the church isn't just for us to have our little bless me clubs. In other words, where God, God speaks to us, where we hear a great message, where we have great worship. Things are happening wonderfully. We, we see a few friends, and then we go home, and then we come back and we do the, the exact same thing the next week. That is not, no, that is not the ultimate mission. The ultimate mission and vision of the church is to reach people who are far from God, who do not know God yet. That is priority number one. Give me an amen, please. Because Jesus tells us that once you find me, once you come to know who Christ is, your whole life changes. Your whole, the, everything about you changes. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, he says, you're the salt of the earth. He says in verse 14, you're the light of the world. Once you come to know me, you're the salt of the earth, you're the light of the world. And everything changes for you and I. And he says, let your light so shine that people will glorify God, their, your Father, by the good works that you and I do. 
Listen, that has been the passion of this pastor for the last 25 plus years I've been here. That was the passion of my predecessor, Dan Roth, the founding pastor of this church who served here for 12 years. And I believe it's even the passion of so many of Word of Life. We believe that we are here to be reaching other people who are far from God. If you don't grab this vision, if you don't have this passion yourself, as a Word of Life member or attender, then this church is going to end up bugging you, my friend, and I don't want that to happen because uh, our focus is going to and our attention is going to be on those who are unchurched and those who are irreligious. Again, it doesn't mean we're not going to meet one another needs. You're going to be in life groups. You're going to be in small groups. You're going to have opportunities to be able to build relationships, but I believe that we are in a time and we are in a moment as I close off this message. We are in something that is, that is special that generations have prayed for in past, that would happen. Each of us here at Word of Life, we're right in the middle of this together. We are all, all of you who call this your church, or you're a member of this church, we are in the middle of this thing that I'm talking about right now. We are in the middle of it. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 5, if you would. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 and 16. We're in the middle of, of this, and it demands a response from us. Ephesians 5.15, and it says these words, be very careful then on how you live, not as unwise, but wise. What God is saying, the day that we're in, what it is that we're dealing with, you need to have wisdom. You can't just be unwise with this. And then he says, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. The word opportunity, that word is a very important word in that particular statement, in that sentence. You see, in the English, the word is opportunity, but in the Greek, the word is kairos. Kairos, kairos, kairos is in, a Greek word, is, it is an undetermined time where something special happens. Something special is taking place. It's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, there's something going on here. There's something special taking place. This is different. This is different. Something is different right now. And honestly, that's how I've been feeling for the last seven months. Since I've been meeting with the elders about all of this, I am just sensing, I know that this is a special moment. God is doing something. It's, it's exciting. It's life-giving. It gives me high hopes and great expectations. And you may be thinking, why would God give us a Kairos moment then? Why would he do that? Well, for two reasons. Number one, the number one reason is, is because the days we're living in are evil. And the scripture tells us that. It's an evil day. But it also tells us that the second thing is, is that the church is the hope of the world. Because the days are evil. Let me read that verse to you. Can I have that verse projected one more time? Ephesians 5, 15 and 16. I read it to you backwards. Because the days are evil, and they are evil, God is going to give the church a favorable moment that you must be very wise in in order to make a difference in those evil days is what God is calling us to. You and I need to realize that. For the church of Jesus, for the church of Jesus in those days, that Kairos moment, I believe that God, it's God's way of answering those who are crying out all over this nation and all around the world. What is going on, God? When you and I watch the news, school shootings, it's driving me nuts. Cop killings, it's driving me crazy. I've got a son who's a cop. Injustice, corruption, cold-blooded murders. It's a normal thing that we see every day, every day. What is going on in our nation? And it's where God would look down on us, and he would say, this is what I'm going to do. Because the days are evil, I will put the church in a favorable moment. Kairos is an opportune, supreme, favorable mo moment that we're living in right now. Church, this isn't a game. This is not a game that we're playing here today. 
We're not simply trying to see how big we can make word, word of life grow. Because we live in a very special generation where there is more evil, more evil at, at every level than ever before. And I'm also telling you with this Kairos moment that there is God's favor in a favorable way than ever before as well. Come on, give me an amen. And the vision that God has for me and the elders and the pastoral staff, the leaders of this church, for you and I, listen, the vision, the reason behind the vision is because of your son. It's because of your daughter. It's because of your, your spouse, your, your kids, your parents, your siblings. It's because of those that you know very well and love very much who are far from God. The whole reason why we're doing this is for them. We want to reach them. We want them to fill the Father's house, not just in this place, not just here on terra firma, but with, with us forever in heaven. That's why we're doing what we're doing here. And this is a very special moment. And God says, I will bestow a favor upon you. But you're going to have to fight for it. You're going to have to do the work that needs to be done. So please, bow your heads with me. If I could have our intercessors make your way down front. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for this word. I thank you for the patience of my church listening to this message today. But I pray that God above it all that they would realize and understand the reason behind the madness of what we're doing right now. Following you. Doing what you've called us to do, God. It may seem crazy right now, but it's going to be beautiful as we get into it. God, I pray, give us the vision. Help us to see it clearly, Lord. Any words that I've said, Lord, you, Holy Spirit, take it to a new level. You speak to us, Lord, individually about this great work that would be done. Would you please all stand to your feet? We have people down front who have been praying for the last 45 minutes, and they're ready to pray for you again. We want you to come down if you need prayer for anything, anything, anything. We want to pray for you. We're going to sing our last and final worship song. It won't be long, and we're going to release you to go. But would you please hold in just for, if you've got an emergency, of course, go. But if you, if you could just hold in, we're going to close off with this last and final song.